Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trinity Episcopal Pocatello podcast. Peace be with you. Today's homily is titled Call and Response, and is based on two stories you may know well. The story of Jonah and the story of Jesus calling fishermen to be his disciples. It is a homily on how God keeps calling us into grace, often despite ourselves. Here is Reverend Haiti Le Corbier. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, You may have noticed a theme in our readings in this last month. Last week, we heard about God's call to Samuel and Jesus' call to Nathaniel and Philip. This week, we've just heard the stories of God's call to Jonah. And, to G- and about Jesus' calling of his first four disciples. This theme makes sense. Jesus has come into the world. He's acting among us. What do we plan to do about it? How are we going to respond? In today's readings, we hear two very different answers. The first is from the story of Jonah. Now, there are different ways to read this book of the Bible. Many readers do see it as literally true, a series of events that actually happened. Others see it as a parable, maybe even a tall tale like Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. To them, it got included in the Bible because it tells us something important about God and the way we respond to God. Either way, it's an important story to look at. It's a fun one. The part we heard today starts in the middle of the story with God's second call to Jonah. Second call is basically the same as the first. God taps Jonah on the shoulder, says, see that big city over there, Nineveh? You need to go over there and tell everyone in it to stop the bad things they're doing. You need to tell them the whole place is going to be destroyed in just a couple of weeks, if you don't, if they don't. Now, the first time God does this, Jonah's response is unequivocal. Absolutely not. He's not going. He's not listening. He is not even sticking around to argue. He grabs the next ship out of town in the opposite direction. But you know what happens. God has already decided that Jonah is going to Nineveh, whether he wants to or not. So Jonah's boat is caught in a terrible storm, and he is thrown overboard. He is rescued the story tells us, by being eaten by a whale. Jonah prays to God for deliverance. God listens. The whale barfs Jonah safely up onto a beach about a day away from Nineveh. 
get up, says God, go to Nineveh. It's hard to blame Jonah for hating this idea. Evangelism is clearly not his thing. And this is Nineveh God is talking about, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. That empire has destroyed Israel's northern kingdom. It's menaced Jerusalem. It's wreaked every outrage that ancient Near East warfare can think of. It's the Borg in Star Trek, the Empire in Star Wars, the Red Menace of the Cold War. Jonah should walk in and call the people of Nineveh to repentance? For what? So that the people of Nineveh can be forgiven? This is not the resolution that Jonah is looking for. But he's still standing on that beach, probably still with krill in his hair, and he gets that he doesn't really have a choice. He trudges off to the city. When he gets there, he gives them God's warning. Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Does he talk about God's love for the people of the city? Nope. Does he talk about his own miraculous rescue from the belly of the fish? No. He gives them exactly the message that God has given him. He doesn't actually believe a word of it. And he resents every syllable. We know this because he actually tells God so. When the people of Nineveh do repent and God takes back his threat of punishment, Jonah practically tears his hair out with frustration. I knew, he says, I knew that you are a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. I knew it. It's quite an accusation. <laughs> Jonah is so furious over God's unwillingness to punish Israel's enemy. He is so humiliated about having to be the person who saves them that he asks to die. He himself has been spectacularly rescued by God. God has asked relatively little of him. He knows God's grace, but that grace isn't good enough for him. God's favor doesn't really count in his mind unless his enemies are denied it. God's love for him hardly counts in his mind. Unless God loves him and Israel more than God loves others. In that respect, it seems to me, Jonah has a little bit in common with the four disciples of our gospel reading today. It's true their response to God's call could not have been more different than Jonah's. But we know something about the next few years of their lives. We know that they, too, care a lot about being the first, being the inner circle, being special. And we know that God has to keep redirecting them 
just like God has to keep redirecting Jonah. But let's look at the story in today's reading first. In it, Mark tells us that two brothers named Peter and Andrew are doing their regular jobs when Jesus walks by. He calls to them. They drop everything immediately. They follow him. Now, these guys are commercial fishermen. The fish they catch aren't just food, but income for their entire family. Walking away is an interesting choice. And Jesus' next disciples make the same one. James and John are on a fishing boat with their father when Jesus calls to them, and they too seem to go off without much of a backwards glance. What is Zebedee supposed to do, left alone on that boat with all its wet, heavy nets? What do any of these men think that they are doing? All we really know is what Jesus has said to Simon and Andrew. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. We don't know what any of these disciples think that means. We know there's going to be a whole lot they don't understand as the months go by. And unlike the disciples, we know what Jesus' words didn't mean. They didn't mean, follow me and I will make you respected and powerful. They didn't mean, follow me and I will make you safe. They didn't mean, follow me and you will sit at my right hand in paradise. But something in Jesus' words or the way that he spoke them was so compelling that it changed these men's lives. It gave them a new identity, a new way of being in the world that was about something more than finding their next meal or their family's next meals. It offered them a new relationship with this extraordinary person who has come down to the lakeshore. And they grabbed at it. They would spend the rest of their lives as fishers of men, reaching out to strangers, sharing the good news of Jesus's life and teachings. They'd reach out to people in communities like theirs and to people in communities very different from theirs. Communities hostile to them. Communities that would eventually kill them. They would go without food, without shelter, but they were grateful to be part of Jesus's life and Jesus's work. Still, they wanted to know they were special, that they were specially loved, specially honored for walking away from those small fishing boats in Galilee. But of course, as Jonah had already found, that's not quite how God seems to work. God's love is absurdly, unfairly extravagant. Like rain, it falls on the just and the unjust alike. It falls on the people of Nineveh, on the prodigal son, on the last hired workers in the vineyard. It falls on the people God has specially chosen and on those who hurt the people God has specially chosen. 
It falls on those who leave their boats immediately and on those who hesitate, even on those who turn and try and run in the opposite direction. The measure of God's love is not about how faithful we are or how much we are ready to do. It's about how faithful God is and how much God is ready to do. Jesus called that good news. And it is. It doesn't always feel that way. I suspect all of us are Jonah more often than we want to be. All of us are the prodigal son's older brother. All of us are those first tired laborers who worked all day in the vineyard and resent those latecomers who are getting the same pay. All of us are the disciples, those who want to be just a little closer to Jesus than the next person is. And God loves us anyway. God calls us anyway. God calls us to follow him without any promises that we're going to be thrilled with what happens next. God knows that loving others as we love ourselves may be the hardest thing we will ever do and that we will fail at it over and over again. But he calls us to keep trying. He calls us to keep learning that every other person around us is as beloved as we are. He calls us to follow immediately, and sometimes we do. And sometimes it takes us a little redirection. May each of us in the weeks and months ahead have the courage to abandon our small boats and step out to love and serve all of those around us. Amen. We are grateful you've listened today, and we hope that you found something helpful in today's episode. Our mission is to weave God's unfinished tapestry, and by listening, you are a part of that mission. So thank you. If you would like to know more about our parish or the Episcopal Church, you can find us online at www.trinitypocatello.org. Thanks be to God. <laughs>